Welcome to the Beer and a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity. Beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving us the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failures from my mouth. From our mouths. I've got <laughs> hey, more there, than one. that's all right. You know, we're, we're going to wash soon. We're going to wash. Big mouth. Slip, sometimes maybe. feels like I have more than one. My name's Joe Hilliard. Of course, I'm with... Carlos Cooper. And Dave Gurney. And we've got a lot to talk about this week. We always do. Uh, we, we we have some uh, some fun stuff, some sad stuff, some uh, beer stuff. Well, Carlos, that, is, uh, Carlos has not hesitated. Carlos, Carlos what did you bring us look, tonight? You're in charge. Here's the thing. The last couple times that I... Uh, that we've done this recording, that is. Yeah. Uh, I have been chastised by Joe for talking too much before opening. That's right. The, the, I've been yelled at. Yelled and at. And so Who I yells at anybody? Fixing it. <laughs> what, what did you bring? Because it looks G- delicious. Given the evil eye. Um, I, so I, yes, I brought it to this table, but... Uh, this was given to me by my sister-in-law, Cassidy, who, if you are a regular listener, you know, has uh, brought stuff for us before. Shout out, Cassidy. Uh, yeah. She went to New Orleans for her birthday. Yeah. For her birthday back in January. And on the way, stopped at Parrish and picked up this collaboration that they did as uh, Parrish and Horace. And it's called the Skelehawk. It is a double IPA brewed with cryo mosaic and strata hops. It is in a very beautiful 16 ounce can uh, that was giving us Anchorage vibes as we talked about before mm-hmm. we started recording. It is 8% alcohol. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have had one can of this already. There's no fruit, there's no chocolate, there's no There's anything. no nonsense. It's just a good old fashioned uh, double IPA eight, yeah. at eight? Yeah. It smells delicious. I mean, it you know it is kind of hazy. I was I was gonna say. I mean, I it's, I would, a, it's a hazy IPA, but it's yeah. not like it, they don't uh, seem to be pushing that in the way that they're. Yeah, it's not like a milkshake, no. strawberry, mm-hmm. uh, upside down cheesecake, you know, right? Uh, bakery IPA. I don't know whatever fucking pastry IPA. Pastry IPA. Yeah. There we go. We have those. We do. Yeah. We have. It's, it seems like Parrish has come on strong the last uh, couple months. Well, we've we've lucked out because uh, I I had gotten some Rev that was delicious. Mm-hmm. We had that a few episodes back. Yeah. Our friend Daniel Shouts had out gifted Daniel. us uh, a triple IPA that they did. Right, I think it was a triple called yeah. uh, Atticus Atlas. Yeah. we had that a couple episodes back. The David Lynch episode. And um, was it no? Yes, it was. You're right. Because we were it watching was the terrible cleanser. taste of failure. Yeah. <laughs> the terrible taste of failure. Of Bud. And uh, and that now we have this, this delicious beer. And so we we love it when our listeners and friends uh, think of us and give us that beer. So you know, hey, anybody listening who's inspired, please, we are very appreciative when it happens. You know, most definitely, David. You said that we love the guys and girls listening. Absolutely. And now we're going to ask: Do you love us enough to click a couple things on the internet? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our uh, it, where we live is a uh, local magazine called The Bend. It's a beautiful magazine. It's great. Mm-hmm. And they do an annual thing, the best of Corpus Christi. They call it the Locals List. Yeah, and we know. are nominated, guys, as the best locally produced podcast. We are. But but even to get to that That's voting right. round, it, like right now it's win. just the nomination round. But yeah. to get to the true voting round, we need enough people to throw their support, support yeah. behind we, us. We have to be yeah. in the top five nominated and then the top five in each category. And they're looking at not only podcasts, but hair 
stylists and the best Mexican food in town and best, that kind of best thing. Best beer list. Shouts yeah. out Tapology you and g- Hook and Ladder. Actually, okay, so I posted a thing about yeah, beer I saw list that, and yeah. you know you should be voting for Tapology. Who's really fucking with them? Nobody. Yeah. And um, someone had posted Hook and Ladder in Aranza's Pass. Yeah, near, went, nearby town. Yeah, and I went in. Yeah, in part of the Coastal Bend region, mm-hmm. and I went and looked at their Untapped, and they don't have a menu, unfortunately. But I was looking at beers that people had checked We're in there. In, yeah. Pretty solid. No, it's it's a. I have not gone there. Sadly, yeah. I, it's it's a sad oversight on my. But I've right. known for a while uh, people who go there and love the place, and they're constantly getting. I mean, yeah. it's very much. I think they are trying to do what Tapology does here, a little closer to us. Yeah, um, out there they and, do have a seem, and, and, seemingly solid selection, yeah. though. But yeah, you you know how these things work in your city, wherever you're listening. Your your alternative magazine or city magazine or newspaper has the best of the city. Well, we're going through that here. We'd love to at least show in that top five. So right, if yeah. you go to any of our social media, and Carlos will tell you about that at the end of the show, our right. Facebook page, etc., yeah, Instagram, there will be a link there. Sure. Where you can go and then make a quick click and you'll help out your bros yeah. at beer in a movie. And if, you know, obviously, if you know others and you're there, you can vote for them as well. But at the very least, even if you're somebody who's from out of town, um, and, and we love our out of town listeners, yeah. uh, you know, just go on there, quick click, and you'll be giving us your support. So yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, so this, so if you're listening to this the day this was released it's uh wednesday march 11th and so you have one week plus one two three four five days uh, so 12 days left to go and hit that nomination button we'll remind you on our next episode too and we'll keep you posted as to how we do yeah thanks thanks for in advance if if we make the top five i think it's a good thing that they're doing the top five because before everyone they got nominated in the voting and it's a i mean it's a lot of a lot of nominees overwhelming yeah Yeah, it's a lot to go through and Um, it's great to see lots of great podcasters out there doing their thing so you know it, it would be an honor to get in that top five but honestly i won't be that depressed if we don't well, we, w- we placed fairly well last year. We did. We it, did. it was bound to happen. Yeah. And that is that Hollywood has been caught up in the grips of Corona fever. Yeah. Well, it's it's the global marketplace in general. Are you so. talking about the Corona beer product placement? No, Fast no, no. And no. I'm talking. Well, we, we could talk about two things. Number one, how Corona beers sales have dropped since the yeah. rise of the coronavirus. Yeah. Which is just crazy to me it's getting nuts Mm -hmm. but i was talking about and um probably if you're when you're listening you've heard this news already the first big major release of 2020 uh, blockbuster release yeah is gonna be no time to die the new uh, james bond film right and it has been announced that they're going to delay that release until at this point november yeah seven months because the because of the coronavirus and at the at at the when i first saw the news i saw wow god damn it We're, we're really overreacting but well, yeah, but I mean, the given that Chinese market does such big numbers for these blockbuster movies, and like, not, nobody's going to movie theaters in China right now. Right, they're, I don't like, think they're allowed to. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is yeah. like because that's like where things are happening. communal. Well, and there are other, you know, there, there are theaters in Italy, there are theaters in other countries that have been impacted that are also closing, so or temporarily. But but China really does like I mean they they give a lot of money they may, to like, the global box office of yeah, these big films these blockbuster action special effects yeah. films make a shit ton of money in that market yeah right. and bond of course is a global franchise yeah, global has property. been for since, since forever yeah yeah so i mean 
It, is this the first of many films, maybe? Right. That's the question that I have, right? I mean, can... Well, I mean, it makes sense them leapfrogging over the summer because yeah. there's too much of a packed schedule. I mean, you couldn't just push a few weeks because then you start getting into when other blockbusters are going to be released. Yeah, they already got their places on the calendar. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of makes sense that they g- jump right to when you could next possibly release a blockbuster, which would be around yep. Thanksgiving. Christmas, pre-Christmas. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, that, that seems to be what they're doing. But if other films... If, if the studios start deciding that other films need that kind of delay, where are they going to go? It's going you know? it's, it's to be a crowded fourth quarter. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if this particular historical event redefined what we view as the blockbuster and moves the peak blockbuster season to the winter? Hmm. It would be. It will be interesting to see if it has that. Oh, kind I think Hollywood's eager for things to get back to normal. Oh, I'm sure. The way but they yeah. say it, like a writer's strike or something. You never know about sure. like how that. these things are going to play. No, and I know. mean, it, it, time will tell how this coronavirus spreads. I mean, what what they're what the governments who are acting are doing if it's going to help stem the. Uh, the spread and and if it you know what what kind of impact that's going to have i mean it's a, it, it's a huge question mark right now there is no, nobody really knows there's no coronavirus uh infections in our county right in our city sure but i was at the uh, farmer's market tonight uh-huh. and i went in for a hug with a friend you know mm-hmm. and i was rebuffed and i it was the first time i was like oh yeah i forgot we're <laughs> right <laughs> it's a whole new world right yeah. now yeah, this week people I, are actually washing their hands now, guys. I was gonna say I've I've, I've converted to fist bumping mm-hmm. and uh, and and doing a little extra hand washing just to keep things on the up and up. So on a scale of one to something, how disappointed are you that you're not you're gonna have to wait a few months to see the new uh, James Bond film? Absolute zero. Me I too. Don't care. <laughs> I don't either. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would I would rank it maybe a one or a two. Okay. I'm not I'm not terribly depressed. I don't I don't like what it says about the impact of this virus but yeah. the film itself i mean I'm, I'm okay i really did like um was it uh was specter the last one we were just talking yes. about this yeah. yes and that was that the one with uh, javier bardem no it's the one that um, specter was christoph waltz uh, okay yeah, so, and, and adele sang the song that's how i remember the no, song. no that's skyfall was God that quantum of solace right. well, i think quantum of solace was javier bardem okay i did not care that was the that last one, one i re- see i like that one see i i really like casino royale and yeah, i, I, I love skyfall mm-hmm. um if i'm getting that i'm pretty yeah, i had to be yeah skyfall yeah, yeah. Okay. um yeah i like those two didn't like quantum of solace yeah. left a bad enough taste in my mouth that even though i love Christoph Waltz, especially in a villainous role. Yeah. Sure. I didn't get out to see Spectre. Um, huh. And then, sure enough, the the Remy Malik things that turn off for me with this new one and the Billie Eilish song. And I mean, almost everything about it, other than the fact that I think Daniel Craig is a very fine Bond. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, the, I think only at this point could be upstaged by the likes of Idris Elba. And, the, and this will likely be his last one, they say. And then hopefully they let Idris do it. Yeah. A, a question and a statement. Oh, Tessa Thompson. Number one, have we talked long enough to open a new beer? <laughs> I was, you know, I was wondering that. And if not... Um, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to drink a beer. We've got it open already. And yeah. we can watch a movie and then repeat. Yeah. I'm excited about this week's uh, That is the films. format. That That is how we do it. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. In case we got a new listener. how we do. <laughs> so, should we open another one? I, 
mean? This question's not come up really on air before. It has no, it. and I mean, it can be edited usually, out. I've been I've been slow sipping because I was assuming we were going to go right through the first segment with this. Are there enough beers in this uh, studio to maybe? Sure, open there's always beer. There's always beer. Yeah. Uh, w- why don't we do this, Joe? Okay. Let's rock I'm gonna, paper I'm gonna, scissors. Hey, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be I'm beer kidding. or no beer. I don't want to lose. If, if we're gonna be innovative with the format here, what uh-huh. I'm gonna say is let's let's sip on this while we introduce the film that I we're see. gonna talk okay. about. Yeah, and then okay. maybe once we get right. into our opinions and ideas about the film, things that we want to point out about it, then we'll open up our. Yeah, properly. Our next I was outside hit. a lot today. I'm parched. Apologies. No, uh, hey, I, I appreciate uh, the suggestion. Yeah. So this week's film, a block, a, bo- a box office surprise. That's that's what's being said. I mean, it, we we actually. I don't think I was. I don't think I'm surprised. Nor am I. Um, <laughs> fuck I'm me. Just, never mind. No, no, well, no. I mean, it but is you're being, in line. That is you're in line said. with the the general thinking about this film. Well, I think there were two phases. There was like the okay, a new Invisible Man. Okay, and then sure, the, the, the initial critical response came out that was very, very, very positive. Yeah, and I think that's what got people to the theater. Well, a that and film. I think the trailer was effective. Sure. I mean, okay. I remember seeing the trailer a couple times and thinking, "Wow, I." Wouldn't have even. I mean, I, I had the opposite reaction. Okay, you didn't like the trailer. I, I saw I the like, trailer and I was like, eh. I like. I, I the didn't trailer. care about a new Invisible Man at all. And I even had a few people approach me and say, "Ooh, have you seen that new Invisible Man?" Tra- that looks interesting. So, so I had had people kind of talking about it. My reaction was positive. I, Elizabeth Moss, in my mind, is on the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. She's had some great Clearly. television uh, hits, of, you know, over the past decade. And now going into, I think, more feature film work, presumably. Mm -hmm. After this, she's she's got a little golden ticket. Seems like Mm -hmm. it. And then uh, once I looked into it and realized that Lee Wanell was behind it, who had directed Upgrade, which we reviewed on a much earlier episode a couple years back when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And then... um, had done, I think the only other directorial thing he had done was, is it Insidious? Oh, did or he do an Insidious? Insidious 2 or 3? I think it was the third. Yeah. Um, Insidious chapter 2. But I mean... And he, chapter 3. Okay. Wait, but he, hold on, hold on. It says he's best known for writing films directed by mm. James Wan, including Saw. Well, I was going to say, he Dead was Simons. part of the Saw franchise with yeah. James Wan. But so he, he wrote that first can, one, which is amazing. Can we take a slight detour? Have y'all seen the trailer for the Chris Rock Saw? Spiral? Yeah. 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 What do you think? Chris Rock... Nothing but a comedian in a horror film. I'm here and for I think it. he's executive producing this film. Yes, he, did, he yeah. is. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I yeah. the trailer kind of caught me off guard because I, I didn't so, know it was coming. I and got so I I thought it was called Jigsaw. This. No, I think it's Spiral. Uh, well, it, well, it is Spiral, but I th- originally I think Jigsaw it Chronicle or something like that. I think the original like working title yeah. might have been Jigsaw. Yeah. Well, let's look forward yeah. to that in a future episode. I yeah. Sorry. Yeah, probably. So anyway, so the ingredients had made me, which is why when, you know, that was all I had thought about it. I had even, I hadn't even brought it to you guys. Yeah. Um, but then Joe had shared on our chat that, oh, look, this looks like a dud. Or or I can't even remember what you said. This looks like a big bomb What I said along. was, do you think Elizabeth Moss is a... And you said this in our group chat just so. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. We have a three-way little chat that we talk say all day, all day long. Yeah. All I do is talk, Carlos. I don't know what you're doing with your, <laughs> your, when you're behind the screen. But, That's right. Um, and I said, is, can Elizabeth Moss carry a film? Meaning, is she box office draw? Yeah. I don't think she's the box office draw here, guys. No, I'm not necessarily. I, I don't, but I, but, I rem- but I believe people will go to this film and leave saying, I wouldn't mind seeing Elizabeth Moss in another movie. Yeah. Sure. So my, my reaction, and I guess I, I maybe just 
was was caught by the you saying this seems I, I felt like what you were saying is this doesn't seem set up for success. This 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 seems like a doomed to failure kind of project. I wasn't excited about was, it until that critical review, critical mass came back saying, "God dang, this is a really good film." Yeah, I didn't I didn't get from Joe that it was doomed for failure. Okay, I just don't didn't from. I was just questioning from, Elizabeth Moss's box well, office draw. Well, yeah. yeah, but but at least for me, the way I interpreted that was, can this be? as big as they probably want it to be right. given the elements that they pieced together. And there's only one way for it to be that and that yeah. is going to be word of mouth this is a really good movie come right. and watch it. Right. Which did they succeed? It it seems like they have at least from a box office standpoint. Um we will get into what we think of it Let's in get terms into of it. the filmmaking. Well, but we set but the just to set the, set the stage here, right? We have a reimagining of The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. a property that originates with H.G. Wells' science fiction. Over 100 book. years ago. Um, about, in that case, kind of a mad scientist uh, who comes up with a way of turning himself invisible and then uses it as a w- way to sort of, I mean, he's like a maniac. He, he enjoys causing havoc and, and, you know, hurting people and stuff. So, you know, th- this old property... Trying to imagine, reimagine it in the you know 2020 context, um, and doing that where you yes still have sort of a mad scientist, although a character that you don't really learn too much about. Um, we we can talk about you know whether or not that's a, a failure or a strength or whatever in the film, um, because it primarily focuses on his object of. Um, Desires or obsession. or obsession. That's that's the way to put it. Yeah, that, the movie's not about the Invisible Man. No. Yeah, the Invisible Man has always been the star of these films. Right. How he became invisible. The effects of the invisibility. The mm-hmm. wrapping a bandage around your face so that you can eluding the authorities. Yeah, yeah. We'll explore that a little bit later. But the, you're right, David. This film is about the protagonist of this film is his girlfriend, right? Wife, I think. I don't think that they were married. I think, I think they were. Uh, I, I got the sense they were married. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I think it was his, his long term committed relationship. In, yeah. Either way, they're partners. married but not married. There you go. Right, partner. right, right. A significant other and other terms that are uncomfortable to say when you're in that situation. Right. <laughs> um, Played by Elizabeth Moss. And at the beginning, you, so so you don't see. Go ahead, David. It's the plot. Right. So I mean, we start out with. This character, the um, uh, Elizabeth Moss character, Cecilia, fleeing the house that she shares with this obsessed, abusive, controlling boyfriend. We learn. We don't know why she's leaving. Right. But that's she is that's right. We yeah. know well, it's she, pretty apparent from the beginning. Well, it, it's especially apparent when he comes chasing after her and yeah. breaks the car window. Right. And, you but know, I, yeah. I just think the fact that we're getting so many shots cut to him sleeping and her, and her nervous and nervous, creeping like, around. No, you're like, right. It's, from it's the clear she's worried about what he will do. With there him. are stakes in her escape. Yes. So, so that opening sequence of her fleeing the house kind of sets up that this is a guy who she's scared of, who she's worried about. It's who an she abusive wants relationship. Away from. And, Plain and simple. Right. Gets picked up by her sister, taken away, brought to kind of a safe house, a friend of theirs who a is a cop. police officer, yeah. And, uh, and, and from there, you know, the, the idea is she's going to hide out. But his, very quickly. His, his high school senior daughter that she clearly has a very 
loving relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but very quickly it goes from her hiding out to her being told the news by her sister that hey you don't have to worry anymore he has killed himself yeah that he was so distressed distraught by your leaving or whatever that you know he's he's ended it yeah. and so that kind of brings a moment of almost relief um, but very quickly <laughs> well the movie the movie's called the Invisible Man yeah. so we know that that's very quickly a yeah we we start she starts to realize that there's something else afoot and that um, he likely isn't actually dead and he may well be tormenting right around her, her tormenting her doing things to mess with her head and get inside her head and then actually physically um, abuse her again so th- that's the basic premise this idea that he's using the invisibility as a way to stalk her in a more effective and directly abusive way without being detected at least initially well, he left out two details okay. no, number one he's clearly very very wealthy and sure. number two, she important. escapes through this laboratory where there are yes. a lot of scientific things going. Yeah, on. but that's all implied. That's not that important. I think. The, well, the, I think the thing it's, that it's I, setting up the notion no, it of is. the boyfriend I, he's, is he's the thing. still a mad scientist. Well, yeah. no, he's still an inventor. The yeah. thing that I think the thing that was left out is that the uh, suicide happens like you get a two weeks later title card. So what we can infer is that he has been denied. For the first time, you know, uh, presumably. It's something he uh, wants. Yeah. Being a very wealthy man, he's not told no very often. And mm-hmm. so he's devised, devised this plan to become invisible to torment her yeah. into coming back to him or to at least just making her life hard because she didn't want to be with him, whatever. Yeah. But aside from all that stuff, we know the basic premise. It's a pretty straight ahead kind of plot. I think that because I want to get into what we think about this uh, before yeah. we spend too much time bogged down in plot w- details. What is the thing? Um, the thing about this movie that it does so efficiently and does so well more than any other movie that I've seen in quite a while is it sets the tone perfectly from the second the film starts. Like that first scene, I, I went into my uh, coffee shop that I go to every day. Uh-huh. And was talking to, you know, some friends of mine that work there. And I was, they're like, oh, what did you do last night? I was like, oh, well, you know, I saw a movie. And they're like, what? I said, Invisible Man. And they're like, was your butthole clenched the entire time? <laughs> <laughs> and and wow, I was like, I was like, thing I asked and you. I was like, not the entire time, <laughs> but definitely during that first scene. It's so tense. It and is it's a tense. Like, it is it's a, tense a, it's such a tense scene because it's Her so escaping. It's, yeah, it's so quiet. Yeah, and you know that the tiniest little error could totally fuck everything right. up. And and it, she makes an error. It, she does, and yeah. it's a really abrasive one. Yeah, like sound. Ooh, that's, yeah. The oof. sound. The sound design in that first sequence is so good. Yeah, and it just it's it sets you up for what the rest of it's going to be and it puts you in in such unease right away. Yeah. Which is something It's true. It's something that a really really good thriller does. Yeah. And has to do. Yeah. And well, you know, I shouldn't have been, you know, I we I we talked about it a little bit and I don't think I've gone on record saying it in any beer in a movie context yet, but I was very skeptical about this film. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I did mention the trailer did nothing for me. Yeah, you did. Elizabeth yeah. Moss does nothing for me. I didn't know the upgrade she connection. Didn't, and now she does. I didn't know the upgrade connection, so I really could have given two shits about this movie. Yeah. But then the upgrade connection, then we talked about the critical praise, and we decided we were going to do it. Yeah. And then Josh, who was on last week's episode, 
uh, said, this is how you do a thriller. And I was like, well, I'm going tonight. Yeah. And shit, man, like, it's really fucking good. Yeah. What, what the so, invisible wait, man? We're, we're getting into opinions here. And uh-huh. I did say, well, what's let's happening? break up the format here. What's going on? All right. Okay. So. Before you get to that, what did we think of the Skelehawk? Uh I, I enjoyed it. I thought that was it was great. good. Um, solid double IPA. I do think, flavor-wise, it reminds me more of a traditional double IPA than the juicier um, hazies. This that, is almost three months of. old. Okay. Well, that might be part of it. It was, uh, it was canned on uh, December 13th, okay. 2019. Right. And I, I was DJing a wedding in Austin February 1st. And I meant to go get this from her then so we could have done it sooner. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I left stuff at home and was scrambling, trying to find places where I could get mm-hmm. a headphone adapter for my iPhone and gaff tape and all this random bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I totally ran out of time and totally forgot. Um, looks but, like, thankfully... Looks, looks like it was wrapped in gaff tape, that cool KR. Yeah. But, thankfully, I think that for being three months old, this has held up very well. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, the three of us have had bad IPAs, where yeah. I can taste that hops are supposed to be there or... You know, this tastes a lot like hay. Wait, are or... you are you coming after Lufkin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a callback, baby. Uh, I'm not even going to look up what episode that was. <laughs> yeah, Aislinn's in it. Um, but I will say that I love it when the three of us do, from time to time, get away from the fruit, get away from the milkshakes, get sure. away from, and just have a good, solid IPA. And I'm going to say that uh, these guys perish. That, I think they're three for three on the show. Oh, 100%. They yeah. put out fantastic beer, stuff. and yeah. this is a great IPA that if you can get your hands and on, we have yet to don't have wait three months really to drink really their it. flagship with the uh, Ghost, Ghost in the, the Machine. machine. We, I've is, had it off my We have not had that on this, the air. This, this is very limited, so I don't think it's available, and I think it's a one-off. Well, thanks, right. Carlos, but for bringing it. If fantastic. you can get anything from Parish or Horace, this is our first Horace. Very, very full-bodied. Do it. Very, very What's this body. one, David? So what Would I'm bringing, bring, bringing to the table here, this is our first beer from the great state of, I just had, Montana. Oh, my Missoula, God. Montana. Do you realize that Montana has the least number of breweries per capita of all 50 wow. states? And as we march toward drinking all 50 states, I thought Montana was going to be the number 50. But it's not. You you it's cut to you cut to number well, thirty nine. Well, I tried to bring cold snacks and that didn't work. Right. So what'd you bring here? So this is from Imagination. Uh, that that's the name of the brewery, I believe. It is called Disruption. It is their New England India Pale Ale. It is seven point two percent alcohol by volume, and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and I already poured a little bit here. It is hazy indeed, although a lighter kind of. Uh, you know, light yellow, um, golden kind of color. Well, actually, more like pale. Actually, it, it's straw. it's it's, yeah. it's lighter than the last one that we yeah. had for sure. Seven point two, right? Don't mind going it. down. So we yeah we are going down a little bit. Okay, it's you know? okay, it's hey, okay. That's okay. Now, um, is there a number in the ABV where it becomes a double? That's I I, think, no, I, I feel like we've talked about so. this a little bit. There's not like hard and fast rule here. I mean, I think. In the sevens is kind of where you mm. tend to see people start call, referring to it as They're a double. They're not calling this a double. 
uh, they are right. Not. No, yeah. okay. but the, right. but it, no, it is. Yeah, seven point two might be tough. Maybe seven point five and above is where you start seeing it. But there's no sort of. Uh, so we've got a non-adjunct IPA battle going on right now. I guess so. Fantastic. If you want to play, if you want to. Um, now, you, were you making a point, David, about uh, your your thoughts? Because Carlos was saying, "Great thriller, kept right. his butthole tight right. all night long." Yeah. So I I did. <laughs> leave did it. I hear that incorrectly? No, know. no, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. In fact, butthole tight all night long. Name of the episode. Still haven't unclenched. I mean, it is. It's been five days now, and I'm backed up, guys. I Jesus a, Christ! I need to see a doctor. I just saw it yesterday, and quite frankly, I'm a bit sore. I, I think the only relief I could get is if I was to watch Holy Mountain again, <laughs> right, maybe with, with the proper shaman and the right, uh, you know, magic mushrooms. So I, I referenced involved. his laboratory that she snuck yeah. out through. Clearly, yeah. this is the Invisible Man. Clearly, he is going to be a scientist but uh what this film doesn't give us that i think every version of the invisible man prior to now does is that first screaming or rather confused notion of i'm turning invisible for right, the first time right. or or i don't want to be invisible help me stop being invisible or right. i'm having to live with the notion of being invisible in a seen world and i'm gonna have to psychologically cope with that that's not what this film is about at all this is about an what an optics designer mm-hmm. who, he's a he's a leader in optics yeah a leader in optics who has created a suit mm-hmm. that looks much like a superhero suit that yeah. is covered in cameras that when turned on when the power comes on he's invisible yeah and what he does with his invisibility after her escape and after his quote unquote suicide is uh torture and uh, and and begin to create for her a life of misery uh, 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 acts like punching the daughter that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. and of course if there's only two people in the room I don't care what you tell me you punched me right so right. dad 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 she punched me they leave so now her safe house is gone right. and then a dinner with her sister and I'm sorry an email to her sister yeah. that she doesn't write that this, uh-huh. this is I don't love you I never did you've been suffocating me and then when they reconcile at dinner and this is where I say okay now we're getting somewhere yeah, the invisible man grabs a somehow a butcher knife. It's a, it's a chef's knife. A chef's but knife. It, that's it's on the it's table. not something that would be at the table. Slits her throat and then puts it in the sister's hand. Right now, the sister, unaware that anything invisible is going on, just saw this happen, and is is the sister being Elizabeth Moss. Reacting, no, she knows. Reacting completely. Yeah, she's. You're she's right. Our, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, she doesn't know how it's happening, but this no, is no. She we, knows how it's happening. She does, you, but she's just you, in shock. She's, she's, she's in, in shock. She's in shock that it has happened, but I feel like what you're getting to is that she holds on to the knife for a long time. Well, he puts the knife in her hand while she watches her sister's slit yeah. her, not slit her blade, own throat, blade but a, a blade, you know. Float, a floating blade, yeah. Flo- and everyone in the audience only sees two people at the table. Yeah. Right. So clearly we're going her, to make the yeah. assumption that yeah. she just slit this girl's throat. Right. She's taken off to the loony bin. I'm not trying to get into the plot. I'm just trying to say that the guy's plan is to weave a um, escalatingly more dire and violent way to put her into a very bad place. Yeah, and to and to isolate her and invalidating things she's saying. I thought it was interesting. You can kind of tell that he's holding her hand with the that she's holding the yeah. knife with that he's like clenching it so she can't let go of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very interesting subtle kind of thing. Now. You bringing this up brings me to my only problems with this movie. I, I do have a couple. Um, I have some problems. I like. I like. <laughs> I do. I think. It, I think it's kind of funny that they're like he's a leader in optics. 
full stop. Don't need to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm fine with that. I know. So so am I. I, okay, I, I, okay. I found it funny like while I was watching it, but I wasn't upset about it. What I was upset about is he leaves her $5 million? Like, only $5 million? Like, this guy has way more than $5 million. And I just thought it was so strange to make it that specific number yeah. and that specific amount of money because, like, Where's the rest of the money? And then, huh? Her, and then well, his, she his, had she now had that broken up that with him his, and left his, him. His brother is is talking about about how he has like 120 days to right, dispute we, the will, but it is isn't going to. And it's like, well, yeah, of course you're not going to, because presumably you're getting the rest of the money, which isn't talked about. Because he got, the guy had more than five million dollars. Like that's it. And then <laughs> and then the the other thing, which is what Joe brought up, is that scene at the restaurant. Yeah, Kylie and I were talking about it when we left, and. If I saw a floating knife in front of me, the second I see a sharp object floating in front of me, I am jumping back. The chair behind me is flying across the room. I am freaking the fuck out and getting as far away from a floating knife. Come on. As I possibly can. You wouldn't stay at the table to die with your family? Didn't we just have this conversation (laughs) last week? Didn't we just have this conversation last week? Floating knife and avalanches are way different. (laughs) An avalanche is well within the realm of possibilities. A floating knife is not. And and That is either supernatural or... I, I understand that the part of this was done uh, for cinematic purposes uh-huh. and not for like being super realist. Yeah. Because you get the shot of the knife floating between the two of them and it holds for a second of the uh-huh. knife just floating and Elizabeth Moss looking at it and then it's so strong. But any... I mean, I know Elizabeth Moss knows what's going on at this point, so she's like freaked out and was like, oh, fuck, what do I do? But yeah. the sister does it. And if I'm the sister, I'm like, all right, sis, I love you see you like i'm getting away from this floating now here's here's why that that sequence worked for me fairly well and i didn't question that i i do we'll we'll go back to the brother in a minute and that that's a problem that i have but um that within the context i think up until that point in the film she was under the impression that he's fucking with me when i'm in situations that nobody else can account for he's not going to do it we need to meet in a public place because he's not going to pull this shit if in public, and if I'm in a place where shit, people are going to see a floating knife, it's his game slicing throats. Well, there, Maybe there you she go. Probably so, didn't go so there. So to me, it was it was believable enough that she was so shocked by this whole thing that she was kind of, you know, she was frozen. That's she was like a deer in the headlights. So that scene didn't bother me. Going back to the brother, though. Not so much the five million. I I didn't really question that. I get that he probably had a lot he more, than, way five more million, than five million. But but I kind she, of she had but honestly, her. the fact that he did the five million and he was doing it on this monthly allowance sort of thing over whatever it was, you know, I don't know, if it fifty was, bucks. Yeah, right. He was going to do a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand a month, month for, yeah. yeah, for like five um, years. Or so. I looked at that like he's being petty and controlling, even in his pseudo death. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's, I'm not giving you my whole fortune. I'm giving you this, and you're gonna get it meted out just in these little, well, little, but you know, like these increments, so that you're gonna have to remember me, so that you're gonna have to deal with my, you know, whatever presence in your life going on into the future. So that, so that didn't bother me. The brother, as a character, and what the brother kind of develops into did leave me with a ton of questions. What was that guy's actual relationship with his brother? You know, with, with the, the brother who's faked his death. Um, Adrian, right? That's a, that. Yeah, the, Adrian. That, the is brother the, who's died. The invisible um, man. You know, what is his relationship? And ultimately, why did anybody 
believe that he had really been behind the whole thing. What was his motivation for fucking with Cecilia and doing all these terrible things and tying his brother up supposedly and all that? I mean, I know I'm Why kind of skipping Why did he pose ahead. for a we, suicide photo? One of the, like, the sort of fake ending of the film is that, yeah. after, you know, towards the end when the Invisible Man is killed... They find out, no, it's not Adrian, it's Tom. It's been his brother in the suit. Now, she doesn't believe that. It's always been him. But that's the solution that the police... Why would the police believe that this brother, like, without any question, just orchestrated this whole thing? What was the motivation? They never try to describe that. And in fact, her friend, um, James, right? Yeah. The police officer... Is like you're, you know, that scene, the sequence where it was her and James just after the killing, and he's yeah. like, "No, you got to drop this. It's not you're crazy. Well, you're well, not, like he's. Are you crazy, motherfucker? No. You just told this woman that she was psycho. You know well, that no, she he's, was. He's trying to get her off though. Like at a certain know, at a certain but, point but in that it, conversation, he realizes that they're like the story he's being fed probably isn't accurate, and he's like, "Look, the only way you're not right. Going the to only jail, way you're not going. I kind of get that. Okay, but here the other thing." <laughs> why would it not be a problem that the guy had faked his own fucking death <laughs> that right nobody why would, are suicide th- there was a public yeah. death yeah. announced by this guy and no it was really just his brother how did his brother fake the guy's death with i don't yeah. it, it yeah. just didn't i think i think that There's a couple little holes there yeah, I think that they kind of were trying to work around it by being like, well, he was tied up, so there's no way he could have done it. And I like guess, getting the audience to focus they, on it, that element rather than the brother's motivation. And it probably did. I just wish they had done something <laughs> in, in order. to explain that a little bit better because that did hang me up it going into the very final but, sequence. But I also With, think that we as the audience were never really meant to believe that that was true. I never no, believed No, you're right. I, no, I don't except think... Except that she did show... I'm sorry. The brother... The, who's, yeah. who's who's um, executing the will? Right, the executor of the will yeah. showed a photo of Adrian dead. Right, right. which come on, it's twenty twenty. Anybody can certainly accept that. In order for a will to be executed, there has to be a death certificate. In order for a death certificate, there has to be a coroner report. In order for a coroner report, there needs to be a dead body. So, well, okay, that's but, 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 no, there could be payoffs, and I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm damn it, David. Oh, sorry. I had a I had a whole bit worked okay, up for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you worked up a bit today. I worked up a bit uh, about pain. I, I was just about to say, well, you know, uh, I, as I, uh, as one of the great philosophers of our time once said, "Cash rules everything around me. Uh, Cream get the money." But then you said the payoffs. Okay. Right. Well, then let's yeah. not fuck up my whole okay. thing. No, let's that's hey, I'm, I'm glad for a Wu Tang. Let's not get and, bogged down there. Let's talk about the effects for a little so, while. W- w- <laughs> the effects were good. Yeah, the effects were really i. I th- the cinematography okay. was really good. Yes, cinematography was good. I loved the little motif of the pan that was going on. You know, every- I loved all the empty doorways and right. empty spaces that right. were like framed as if there was something in it. Like, and you never really knew. Weird. And I think some of those were intentionally no, there wasn't the you know yeah. he wasn't actually lurking there. But then there were times where clearly you end up finding out that he was. Yeah. So I, I like that they played around with mm-hmm. us visually that way. One thing visually that I did question. When she's escaping the the hospital, yeah, and he's wearing the suit, and she's kind of partially disabled it, um, and so it's flickering, right? And then they go out into the rain, and that seemed to be something they set up, right? It she sees the weather forecast, mm-hmm. and it's going to be rain, and you kind of think, oh, she's plotting something. I think she thinks that if I can get him into the rain, I'll be able to see right. The suit. That's it. Yeah, but you can't. No, and and that's been and and again, maybe that's okay, but it it, it has been traditionally a trope of the invisible man 
films mm-hmm. that, I, or at least one that we're going to talk about in the second half of the episode, that when you go out into the rain, well, you see that the rain is dropping and dripping onto down a thing. onto right, right. That, that there is a physical presence mm-hmm. there, and it's not. So I thought that was kind of a weird mixed. I enjoyed the reveal of the suit, which was the um, when she's in the attic mm-hmm. and uh, pours paint. Yeah, that was sick. The, yeah. I liked that. Right. I liked the um, people being dragged, her especially yes. being dragged around uh, a room or yeah. being beaten up while she's by herself. That was done very, very well. And that's, you know, Lee one L when, when you get around I didn't to like seeing that part, actually, I'm sorry. I, I did. Like that part. You didn't. You didn't? See, I thought it got silly when she was fighting. Nothing. I did. It like went on it. too long. And I, and it reminded me of those sequences and upgrade where again, he's kind of fighting without really intentionally. Mm-hmm. Cause again, the whole premise of that film is that there's this like, you know, he's been uh, upgraded and he has this artificial intelligence within him that can, make his body move so he's not yeah. even so there are times where he's doing movements that he can't control but that are really good fighting movements and yeah, I don't know so let me see that movie again we can't now. stop the conversation about this film without talking about the ending and the idea that she does get uh, he does get his just desserts mm-hmm. I use just desserts on purpose because that happens during a dinner scene yeah right when he's back from the dead uh-huh. back from the basement actually because he didn't do it and all right. tied up the whole right. time and all of clearly right all of it, and now we're getting into the, the, the mind of a sociopath, the mind of a narcissist, is that, and the mind of a mastermind who has orchestrated this entire thing, mm-hmm. all of a sudden believes that he can invite her to dinner and get her back? Or is, <laughs> well, that, well, he is a narcissist, so yeah. he believes that his ruse has he, worked. He believes yeah. that she's going to believe that it was never him, it was the brother, and he was whatever, the, the, the victim in the right. tied up in the basement? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, she luckily had stashed a second invisible suit. Which I knew was going to pay off at some of, point. Of course it was. Which it, he must have realized he was missing an invisible suit, but, you know, that's... Well, yeah. That's a fair time. point. It seems like a multi-million dollar piece of equipment. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, I can believe... Maybe can, that's where all his money went that she would have inherited <laughs> right, otherwise. Right. I can believe that he had made two, but not that he would just... Except that, oh, one is missing. All okay, right. so is the movie good? <laughs> well, um, hold on, hold on, because oh, I did, got I, more to say. I had a problem with the end scene. Uh-huh. I don't think that James would have been as complicit in that murder as he was, and I don't think that oh, it he was, was down the street listening. I don't his, think it was necessary for him to see that she had the suit with her. I think they could have left that out, and it would have made that scene of him having no definitive way to know for certain that she did it. Mm-hmm. And that would have been more believable because, you know, he is a part of the criminal justice system. And as you know, like you're supposed to prove the guilt of a person in a court of law Mm -hmm. beyond a shadow, like with, you know, beyond unreasonable doubt. Yeah. And I think that if uh, he hadn't seen the suit in her bag, that would have given us the audience the opportunity to be able to say, okay, well, there is certain reasonable doubt at play here. Mm-hmm. He has no way of knowing for sure that she did it. Yeah. But he does know for sure that she did it and he just like lets it happen and like, you know. Well, well I, I don't I don't know that point, it, Yeah, so, I was going to say I don't think while it was happening he knew what well, no, was happening. Well, no, what I'm saying afterwards cuz like they right, he they have a conf- her... they have a confrontation and he is like, "Oh, like he killed himself." And she's right. like, "Yeah." And now, then he lets her walk. I did think it uh, 
that point right there, I will agree. I thought it was funny that he let her walk away. Now, it allowed for, like, the dramatic ending of the yeah. close-up of her and looking at, you know, like, so I... But I think, that still could have happened. He just, he didn't need to see the suit. Take that one part out no, and it that, works. No, that, that could have. But it did seem funny that, like, you do know this is a crime scene. Like, whether or not you actually killed him, you need to stick around because there's going to be some cops showing. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to be having to give our statements and stuff. You can't just walk away here. But, you know, that that was... Uh, be less dramatic if yeah, she stuck around and gave right. her statement like, at the okay, end. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand uh, uh, why that had to But work. to answer your question, yes, it is a very good movie, I think. I, I good agree. Thriller. I mean, I think this is a... I agree. I think it's a good thriller. What I really... Um, I think, you know, given the... I think some of the failings with the... Um, with character that, that go on, at least consistency and, and, and some of the motivations there that I felt were lacking... They didn't hang me up too badly because ultimately I looked at this film much more as a metaphorical kind of allegory mm-hmm. than I did a straight up like story about actual human characters. For Let's sure. put it that way. This is a story about sort of patriarchal control, Domestic gone abuse. crazy. Right, exactly. Amped up and exaggerated to its absolute limits. And it's pretty on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is, but it, taking it to such an extreme, right? To take where it to an where this person has this special ability Correct. that allows them to do yeah. it in a way that's even more yeah. nefarious. Yeah. So when I, a woman says she is in an abusive relationship, we will not believe the that's guy. That's right. And, and now he, she's in an abusive relationship, and the guy is dead. Right. And so she's no, clearly and making it all up. Absolutely, nobody believes her, and yeah. they think she's insane. And that is the sort of thing. That and when, of course, on the surface, anyone would. Yeah. Because what you're telling us is, couldn't possibly right. be true. And I and I think Elizabeth. But he's Moss. a master in optics. You don't understand. He's a master yeah. in optics. And I think Elizabeth Moss pulled it off beautifully. She's great I mean, that, as, as Carlos and his coffee shop pals said, with clenched butthole, I attribute that butthole the tight. clenching of the butthole to Elizabeth Moss's <laughs> performance in this film. Because Maybe that's the name of the episode, The Clenching of the Butthole. I mean, every because she is or just, just the clenching. There, there's maybe like one or two scenes in the film where she has anything close to a mood that isn't incredibly anxious and scared right. and when you she know, gives the when high school friend right. the scholarship right when, yeah. when she when she tells the daughter she's going to get to go to college and she feels free for like a minute there to kind of do something nice there is a moment but everything else in this film is just like so tense yeah yeah well and and now we've got two ipas so so this one second we said one, we liked very much right the imagination disruption how are we feeling I think it's uh, pretty solid, and also it is the country's first microbrewery plus center for community transformation. Imagination or imagination fuels social change in Missoula, Montana, and beyond. Thirty-three hundred plus community events hosted, five hundred plus organizations supported, and twenty-five percent of profits donated back. So that is a brewery that I can get behind. Yeah, it's um, losing 08 percent ABV. I think that it's. Uh, I think it's pretty good. But it's losing more than point eight percent total full flavor yeah for a 7.2 I, I found it a little bit thin uh in flavor uh, it's, it's crushable and at 7.2 too you gotta be careful yeah, yeah. that's 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 gonna get you I, i'd like to learn more about the brewery i wouldn't mind tasting something else i would theirs, love to have but more of this is not a uh, if you're not going to call this a double and i understand why you don't even though it's just like i said 0.8 percent a little a little bit lighter in abv than the skelehawk that we enjoyed earlier in the show mm-hmm. There is a big flavor reduction here, David. Well, I think I think part of the distinction between the double and the single is that maybe what gets 
the ABV higher on just the New England IPA from Imagination is like um, a longer boil time or something versus like just adding more hops like the Skelehawk. You know, hmm. there's like there's different ways to ramp up that ABV. Sure, I, I mean, could be wrong. Usually, it has to do with more malt, right, to to get the ABV up. So. I did feel like the Skellahawk was a maltier uh, base than this one. This is lighter, yeah. um, a little drier in, yeah. in how it finishes. It's not Definitely. quite, it doesn't have as much sweetness. Um, I, like you were saying before, it, it has maybe more of a crushability to it. Uh, I think all those are good. I, I do like it. I think the hop character that is there is a little juicier than than the uh skelehawk but like we said the skelehawk has been in the can a little bit longer mm. so it, it's possible that uh both great that some have died off you a- know. above average ipa here don't 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 misunderstand sure, sure. Me. but when you're comparing the two and maybe that's not even fair to do let's be honest well no that's um, what we do we we, we I, I, rank I w- and i would prefer the skelehawk to this but i'm not going to turn this down when you pour it for me and I think I'd be the opposite, but I wow. will happily drink them with well, now you. Now we're Joe. talking flavor profile. That's all right. Let's just drink some beer. All right. So let's uh, let's go into a break here. When we come back, we've already said we're going to look at another Invisible Man film. We'll get into what that is, and we will crack open another beer. And we're back. Uh, and you, you may have it. In the, in the second half of this episode, I'm going to crack a beer. Um, this is a very Daniel heavy episode. We've mentioned it once already, but, uh, good friend of ours, friend of the show, um, went out of town recently, struck out on two different, uh, caramel delight, formerly known insensitively as Samoa cook girl scout cookies, uh, stouts. And that I was like, yeah, if you can get some, bring me back. Couldn't get either. Mm. Still came through with uh this beer from untitled art and it's a collabo with hidden springs ale works it is a peanut butter cup stout that contains lactose peanuts and natural flavors it is 12 percent, my guys a 12 percent peanut butter stout peanut butter cup stout sir no where's some respect on it and where are untitled art out of they're out of wisconsin wisconsin and we've uh, had we've had them uh, at least two or three times I on the show prior think, i think yeah. we've had them before we have yeah, right. yeah. wisconsin oh, don't make me look at i know right but, oh milwaukee no sorry uh wanaki 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 i don't know i'm probably I saying no right. I, I lived close to there for a while but but um i'm i'm <laughs> i'm looking forward to this is it close one. to chicago it is. Okay. It, well, yeah, the, yeah. The, Wisconsin's right there. Um, I do not know. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, so this is exciting. We we love our peanut butter. We love our stouts. You put your uh, chocolate in my peanut butter. Yeah, there you go. You put your peanut butter in my chocolate. Ooh, I can smell it on the nose, and yeah, I'm I getting the booze. And, the room. Ooh, this is decadent. This yeah. is dessert in a glass. Oh, Serious boy. stuff. Yeah, fellas. Now, when you consider the rich. God, that's good. I took, a, I took a sip, David. I took a sip, Carlos. You can just smell it. Once I open good. the can, you can smell it. When you consider the lore, the the rich oh cinematic tapestry that gives us a wide palette to choose from when we're picking a companion piece to an Invisible Man movie. Right. I was wondering where you were going with that. We could have gone back to that original Universal uh, adaptation. Universal of Monsters Wells, one, yeah. right? Which... 
I, I didn't really mention the first half, but the original intention with this update of The Invisible Man was to have it fit into this new Universal universe of the thing. dark universe, which was going to be... The Mummy. Um, right. So The Mummy with Tom Cruise a couple which years bombed. ago bombed. And, and Universal kind of pivoted and said, uh, we're not going to do this universe Not everything has to be an MCU model. But, so, but originally, coming, though. originally the thought was... It was going to be a Johnny Depp vehicle with, Ooh. I can't remember who the director was who was attached to it, but it was going to be much bigger budget, yeah. trying to pull in this and create something that could be woven together with these other things. Yeah. But when the mummy kind of fizzled at the box office, they mm-hmm. said, wait, let's just partner with Bloomhouse <laughs> and we'll have them do this cheaply and, and maybe we'll and have... Well. Because well, pretty much everything they do, they do really true. well. Bloomhouse is knocking them out of the park these days. So I mean, they gave us Happy Death Day. There you go. So, so the 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 route that they went worked, but it's working so well. There is talk that maybe this dark universe thing is actually going to happen. There's already a, an Invisible Woman uh, project in the works okay. with, with, uh, with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss? Banks. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks. Okay, so Elizabeth Moss didn't take that suit to go wreak well, havoc. Well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it, it may tie her into it. but Maybe it, Elizabeth Moss. Her cousin Moss, Elizabeth Banks gets the there suit. There you go. Or, it's got to be Liz. Or Elizabeth Moss I can't tell terrorizes you. Elizabeth Banks, but also Tom Hardy is, I think he's either been cast or is in talks of being cast as Frankenstein's monster okay. for a Frankenstein movie. Okay. Somewhere in in the third quarter of 2019, we did an episode about the uh, most anticipated rest of the year oh, releases. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was episode 50. We had Untitled Art with Wait, their that was collaboration. Not 50. I promise you it was. Really? Episode 50, Untitled Art Seems and right. Equilibrium collaboration. It was like halfway through Espresso last year. Marshmallow Stout. Yes, that's oh, yeah, right. That was good. That was good. It was. American Imperial uh, yeah. Stout. Yeah. Um, right on. But I like where we're going. I like the choice that we made because it's very unconventional and it gives us an opportunity to talk about yet another John Carpenter film. That's right. One of our fav- One of my faves. I won't speak for you guys, but one of my favorite I like John Carpenter. We, we, sure. devoted, we devoted an episode, episode 61, to talk about six of his films in a row that's right. true last night when i went to see uh the invisible man it started literally at the exact same time that the thing started oh that's right oh they yeah. were doing a screen they yeah. showed the thing last night and oh let me tell you it was so hard Must have been to a struggle. go see the thing Must have been a struggle. i've seen it at alamo before uh the first time i saw it actually was at alamo mm. no no it wasn't sorry um uh, but i did see it recently at alamo and oh man wanted to go again so bad well yeah. sneak preview the thing will show up in next <laughs> week's episode <laughs> so i don't think that it will <laughs> joe's just smirking because he yeah, confused well. us all <laughs> yeah i don't he's throwing us a curveball he's gonna bring it up uh so so, it, so instead of doing the you know original universal mm-hmm. or one of its immediate sequels we're looking at the 1992 film directed by John Carpenter, starring Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. called Memoirs of an Invisible Man. If you go back to episode 61, we did the films of the 80s and early 90s. We did They Live. Right. That's from 1988. Right. Then he made this film. That's right. And then the next film he made was another film we discussed in that in that episode, uh, in the mouth in of the madness, mouth of madness. 1994. Yeah. Right, carrying over Sam Neill from this project. Correct. Yeah, whenever he made this one, he was in a dispute with the studio that had made They Live, and was having right. a hard time getting new projects produced. Right, which is part of what why he was willing to do <laughs> this. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. He had. I think he had had like three or four different things that had kind started of, to develop right. and then fell off. 
And the original director of this film, Ivan Reitman, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't get along with Chevy Chase because nobody can, because what a twat. This this and, this was kind of a troubled project. I mean, yeah. it was something, you know, it was Chase's project, basically. Yeah. He read the novel. Um, I'm surprised he can read. Or or at least, or maybe somebody <laughs> recounted it to him. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I but, don't really but like he him. became aware and kind of told the studio, like, I want to do this. And at that yeah. moment in time, he had the clout Certainly. that then they would buy the rights. He for thought this. he was going to make a movie that would change humanity forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did read that Chevy Chase was hoping that this was going to be his Jim Carrey or his, um, his his transition his into more transition serious into roles. more serious yes. things, and right. of course Chevy oh, Chase. His, uh, there was no large Spotless Mind, uh, Spotless Eternal Mind, or Truman Show. I mean, several things. Yeah, but you, his uncut gems. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Sandman. But you've got this idea. That, okay, so so okay, so I guess we what we plot this film. Uh, well, I mean, just to you know, he wanted the project. He got the studio to buy it. They were getting it ready with Ivan Reitman, mm-hmm. William Goldman, fabled, yeah. storied, uh, you know, screenwriter, yeah. working Bride. on it. But he, Chase, was not happy with the script. No, Reitman he wanted, was. He wanted it to be drama. He wanted it to be introspective. Right. He wanted to show the alienation of invisibility. He wanted. He to, went out on that. He Reitman didn't want to be Fletch. Off. He didn't want to be Caddyshack. He didn't want to be right. Three Amigo. Right. Uh, Reitman backed off, got out of the project. Goldman backed off, got out of the project, and then they brought in some other writers and John Carpenter. <laughs> and and I think you know they probably even toyed with some other people, but eventually got this project off the ground. And I mean, I don't want to say it was a vanity project necessarily, but it was certainly one that was driven by a star who was looking for an opportunity to do something that he wouldn't normally be able to yeah, do. Yeah, he plays a uh, aloof investor mm-hmm. kind of financial investor who wanders into a um not wanders he goes purposefully into a, uh, a seminar at mm-hmm. a tech firm yeah board goes yeah. and takes a nap in the sauna right and We're sleeping off his as hangover and right about then as is likely to happen if you spill a coke into a keyboard, <laughs> the entire Fire breaks. Yeah, the entire <laughs> nuclear reactor or whatever the fuck they're doing in there that yeah. makes people and the entire like half of the building and later the entire building invisible happens. And uh, while most people rush to safety outdoors, he's asleep in the sauna, right, and becomes the Invisible Man. Yes, yes. Oh, by the way, after meeting Daryl Hannah. Yes. So okay. the, the p- part of why he's nursing the hangover is that he had a a, a prolonged evening at the bar with uh, with a woman he had met through a friend, mm-hmm. um, Michael McKeon. Right. Who I love, Michael. <laughs> I McKeon. love seeing Great him on to screen. See him. Yeah, a, a younger Michael McKeon. Yeah. It's fun to see him. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so you have him meeting Daryl Hannah, and they've kind of set up a date. So that that kind of becomes important a little bit later. But yeah, he becomes invisible. Uh, it's and, probably important to say um, how Sam Neill plays into the whole thing. Right. Sam Neill as this uh, person connected to the lab who is seeking him, but sees him as this invisible person, as being a, a potential asset to them that they can sort of make him into a CIA operative. This and kind and of, a liability that he can expose. Well, that's yeah. true. But but very interested in capturing and containing and and ultimately being able to sort of weaponize him, use him as a tool, and and containing him with a lot of budget. Like he's yeah. got special forces that can be called upon in a moment oh, to sure. track and try to you know, yeah. capture. And in the age before cell phones, like uncannily able to follow his every right. movement. Yeah. 
What do you think? This is a weird one because I saw this a lot when I was younger. Did you? Um, I remember around when this came out and it being on HBO uh, regularly. And so I, it, it's Back funny. when there was only one HBO and it played the same movie every seven <laughs> that, hours? That's right. There yeah. was no HBO 2, no HBO West, no HBO... Yeah. I, I remember watching this several times. And I was a fan of Chevy Chase when I was younger, for sure. And I still do like some of those films I from that too. era. I, I will concede with Carlos's point that he is a twat and, and that uh, it does, does... He's very cunty. Yeah, it does does seem to be... Um, He's I, great I in community, even, I actually feel like that's doing a disservice to, to twats and cunts. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I don't like so the direction many, I So many episode this. names. He, um, he, he plays himself in community. Yeah, that's what it sounds like from, you know. from all accounts. So, you know... But, I don't know. I've got a special place in my heart for well, Three Amigos and Caddyshack sure, and no. Fletch. I mean, he's he was the one of the one of I guess at the at his height, maybe the biggest star in Hollywood mm. for a short period of time. Mhm. You you were saying No, you you're absolutely right. And and I do still have affection for those films. Certainly. Though rewatching them there is that part of me that sees him and like, oh yeah, he is kind of a jerk, you know? <laughs> or even like those old SNLs. Like, how can, um, how can I remove? It? I don't know. So how, I don't know how I do it, but I do. But so watching this film again after all that, with a more critical eye, I do see why this was a failure. Yeah. I mean, this, this did not do well at the box office. This did not launch him into a made, career of, made less than half its budget back. Right. It, it actually sort of, I think, marked the. Beginning decline, of the, decline, the beginning yeah. of the decline for the for Chevy Chase's career. Well, there's yeah. no reason to see him in a dramatic role. In, well, in, he doesn't have the ability to pull it off. And then this film does a disservice because clearly there was a rewrite where they were trying to play into his kind of like physical slapstick thing yeah. that he does. The mm. the using of the chopsticks. I literally, the, yeah. I was going to say chopsticks. I literally closed my eyes and tried to bring a bite of food to my mouth. Yeah while watching it yeah. to see if it was going to be as difficult as he tries to comedically portray right. that it is. It isn't. No, I've no. eaten for a long, long time. <laughs> no, no, I know nor, is it hard, nor is it hard for him for the rest of the film. It's right. just that scene. And so there's They're all these ju- like weird breakaway scenes where, oh, look, Chevy Chase gets two seconds to be Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. the Chevy Chase we know and love in right. 1992. But the rest of the film is him. There's a scene in the park where he confronts a professor Mm-hmm. And he's invisible, right. and the professor's like, "Oh my god!" And then he the, that professor gets shot in the neck with a, a dark tranquilizer, yeah. and he looks up the the, the shooters and says, um, "Oh my god!" No, 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 no. Uh, I wrote it down, but I, I'm not going to pull it. Oh god, you bastards! And it's just this wooden, <laughs> horrible, dramatic delivery yeah. that a Jim Carrey or a Adam Sandler perhaps could totally pull off. Yeah. He just can't do it. He doesn't have the chops to do the drama that it sounds like this vanity project was him right. trying to do. Then you've got the whole invisible aspect, which I guess is the most fun part of the film. If you take yourself back in a time machine to 1992 and look at these effects, I'm sure they were groundbreaking. There were some cool visuals. I mean, sure I definitely they were mind blowing at that, the time. That was the thing that that used to entertain me the most when I was younger watching it. I do remember like the opening of the film where it's him making this video and he proves that he's there by chewing gum, and you just see this gum sure. in midair. And I never thought about an up. invisible man. The idea that everything foreign to you that you introduce into your all three of us have one in the chamber right now. 
I don't know when it will be released, but if you're going to present a universe where if I chew gum, I can see the gum, or if I eat food and then vomit, because that happens mm-hmm. in the film as well, I can see the food inside of me. There are things that aren't part of us in that sauna that night yeah. that I guess should all be really be seen, yeah. unless you have an optic suit. Right. Totally, right. totally figured out how That's to a different be thing. the invisible That's a different man. thing, yeah. Um, then, what about Chevy Chase in this film would make the beautiful, forgive me, 1992 Daryl Hannah, uh-huh. the beautiful 1992 Daryl Hannah be interested in him? Be, That's a problem with a lot of consider like, him a love interest. leading men. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that, that that is a that is definitely. I mean, this you goes just, back to what we were talking about. We were talking about downhill. It. Like yeah. male comedic actors tend to be somewhat goofy looking. Whether gangly or rotund, talking about his physical appearance because you don't even see it in the film. I'm talking about his personality. His personality. (laughs) That was. I mean, that was one thing that you know. His personality in the film is not attractive to the Daryl Hannah character. However, the film requires a love interest to occur. Well. well, that's just a that's just you know poor filmmaking, and it, and it happens all the time in these situations where, you know, especially with movies like this, a studio is always going to want you mean a you love story. You weren't char- charmed by his jokes about that the Smithsonian is one of his favorite institutions, and uh, <laughs> I mean he he was attempting. He loves folkways, w- witty, records. witty flirting with her at at the table. I'm not saying it's great, but I mean I don't know that that, that yeah of of all the things that hung me up. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't one, but I was gonna. You know, I do think when you said he was invisible, it, it was actually interesting to watch this right after seeing this new Invisible Man, where he really is invisible until you know the suit is disabled or you which know, whatever. is great. We didn't talk yeah. about that, but the glitching, yeah, thing, that was cool, horrifying. But um, but in this film, they actually do because it is about him. They do have to keep going back and forth between, okay, you can see him, even though you really shouldn't be able to see him, yeah. but he's there. So they're, watching it again, I was struck by like, wow, a lot of this film, I actually am seeing Chevy Chase. Like there, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's parts where Nobody he's else hidden, can, but right. we, the audience can. But, but there are plenty of scenes where he's just there, you know what right. I mean? Even though the other characters aren't supposed to be seeing him. And right as I now. understand it, like Chevy Chase was such a diva on the set that he would like take his makeup off early. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and not, He's a cooper- not cooperate with the filmmaking requirements for this specific right. film that was his vanity project. So, mm. well, I guess there's not much more to say. It's, I mean, I think it's I think, not John Carpenter's finest. It's not Chevy Chase's well, finest. And, it, and it's, it's almost not, it's it wasn't you know it was one of the few films that wasn't billed as John Carpenter's blank. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't it, yeah. it didn't get that. Oh, Chevy Chase billing. would never have allowed that. Um, <laughs> well, it's and, like and uh, he didn't get final control over the picture. It was you it's know, like that the that, studio's film. That old boy remake that Spike uh, Spike Lee did. Mm-hmm. It's a Spike Lee film on the poster and in the billing and everything. It's not a Spike Lee joint. Okay. Every other movie he's ever done is a joint. Is a Spike Lee joint. Mm-hmm. But because he had so little control over this movie and had such a hard time with the studios to yeah. make the adaptation he wanted, it's a Spike Lee film, just like this isn't John Carpenter's Which memoir. Which is not a horrible man. adaptation, but why even it's not really just not watch good, the though. original? I do have just a watch the poster original. Oh, boy. If anybody wants it. Um, but, I, I mean, think, I think that you can see... I think you can tell a lot about an artist in general, um, not just an actor in film, just any artist, when they reach a certain like surging height of popularity and then are given blank checks to write, mm-hmm. what they do with it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Chevy here? 
I am talking yeah. about Chevy here because, yeah. like, you know, we're talking about a Chevy Chase vanity project yeah. that falls flat on its fucking face, and it's because he, there's not much to Chevy Chase. Like, he's fine at falling down and shit, I guess, but like, he was never some like great artist. He was never a comedian that had. He, he did a. He thing wasn't. He for wasn't about 10 like. Years. He wasn't super like poignant or purposeful no, or no. anything like that. Like he, he just like had a shtick that worked for a certain period of time and then yeah. it stopped. Right. And he was never. And it wasn't until probably Community that he had any kind of resurgence whatsoever. But that was just putting somebody recognizable with a certain set of skills in the hands of a very talented showrunner in Dan Harmon who was able to get something out of him uh, despite the I fact that Jimmy was Ch- a problem every day every day yeah every day he made everyone on sets lives so hard and Dan Harmon still was able to get good shit out of yeah. him mm-hmm. and you know and I what just, about John Carpenter's part in all of this did the best see, he could with what he could do I don't even think it's that I think that I mean because he was reluctant to do this and I think that we're talking about at a point in his career when his disillusionment with Hollywood and with the actual like business of movie making is getting real and yeah. is starting to really set in with him and I think well, he had had the prior bad experience with Big Trouble in Little China, and had Which gotten away, movie. and and you know, sort of independently did they live? Yeah, but, but then, then even was having problems with right, that was studio having trouble with that small product, and, yeah. and so I guess you need a paycheck every once in a while, right? Well, if you look at the Wikipedia page for this film, he is quoted as saying like, "Well, why not? I hadn't done a movie in a long time," yeah. and I think that he's also that kind of guy too. Like, I, this would be a stretch. Well, I mean, Dark Star was a comedy. His first yeah. film was a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that he is an, uh, the, an, uh, a particular brand of artist that, while he does care a lot about his work, also isn't too precious about things no. and can do something like this. And if it doesn't work, just kind of shrug it off and be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I made Halloween. Go fuck yourselves. You know? Yeah. But How much John Carpenter <laughs> did you see in that um, half-invisible building? But but the, the effects of yeah. it, like to me, I was like, "That's John Carpenter." The um, the cutting edge technology demonstrated in the. I made a joke mm-hmm. about spilling a coke on the keyboard, but that was the best technology at the time. That's John Carpenter. You see, John Carpenter grasping at the next level of of technology throughout the eighties. And 90s, I suppose. Well, not in the 90s. He, he actually goes quite the opposite direction in the 90s. And to just cap off my point is I think that this is, I think this is a moment that you can mark in his career where he's like, this is what I do and this is who I am and I'm still going to try to make this my career. But I'm, he's really starting to give less of a fuck at this point. Mm-hmm. You know? And then basically after this... He has a couple of more things where maybe he's really trying to make something good, but then starts to do a lot of stuff out of spite. Um, a perfect example is Escape from L.A. Mm-hmm. That is a movie of him just being like, you want to dig up a property that's 20 years old or however much it is? Mm-hmm. Well, let me show you what happens when you go back to something like that and try to make a sequel that much longer Yeah, later. that seems like an awful waste of time. And and so he makes a fucking terrible movie with like really antiquated special effects. Like mm-hmm. the, the way... The spe- I mean, if you look at that movie as opposed to Jurassic Park, which came out years before it, yeah. I mean, it's like night and day how good the special effects in Jurassic Park are and how terrible they are in Escape from L.A. Right. And so at that point, he's really just like, yeah 
fuck all you guys. None of y'all really care about the art of filmmaking or how, making how, a decent product. You're how just difficult trying to make would movies it be? and make money. How difficult would it be to populate a film set where in the middle of the production you know this is probably going to be crap? And then and then continue to go to work every day and, and shoot and... I mean... Tommy Wiseau got everyone that made the room to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, that's not a great example. I'm talking about a big Hollywood production. That was, I mean, there was a lot of money behind that. I I think as long as there are that handful of people who are really behind the project, and and here, you know, Chevy Chase being the prime one, I think Mm. that you know that that just has a gravitational pull to it. And once the money's there, it's going to happen. It's you know, it it is an interesting case where you look back and uh, and you see this and you can kind of you know it marks a particular moment in time in in these at least the two who we focused on Chevy and yeah Chevy and uh, and uh, John Carpenter their careers you know it marks a certain kind of moment I think Carlos is right that this may be an indication that uh, Carpenter was kind of on that moment on on that trajectory where it was just okay you know like I'm not going to get to make these films in the way that i want them so i'll just make a film to make a film yeah um, and, and also at the, i think it, it's not just his disillusionment with the like corporate structure and like the business of hollywood but i think with the exception of halloween maybe mm-hmm. um he's still he's never really given the credit that he deserves like the thing bombed, you know, mm-hmm. and like some of his other stuff is seen as just like genre work or like yeah. B movies or whatever. And he's not given the credit as like the brilliant. And, you know, Christine didn't do great. Did no, it? no. Yeah. No. So he's he's really not given his due as being as talented as he is. And so combined with the difficulty of working within the studio system mm-hmm. and the fact that nobody is appreciating him for what he's yeah. doing. Like, I would imagine that it would be very tough to, like, give a shit about anything yeah. at well, that he's, point, Well, you know? he's an interesting case, and I, I don't think we really ever... But, you know, as I think about it, like, he is a, a cult filmmaker who almost broke through that kind of bit. You know, like, yeah, there, were, there were moments where it's like... he want to? He could, yeah. I think he I did. I mean, I think he did. I, yeah, think, I think he did. I, I think, by all accounts, he was a serious filmmaker. He yeah. had intentions, or has had intentions to make, you know innovative stories that would break through to large audiences. Yeah. And I think he had moments like Halloween, I think in particular yeah. and uh and um Halloween the best horror movie ever made. It, well, it, no, it's number, definitely number a contender. Two, number 2, number 2. Um but you know th- that he sort of reached a certain kind of public awareness you know like people just knew and and again his name was then able to kind of mean something to people but it did kind of then become synonymous with the idea of almost yeah Yeah. i mean low budget filmmaking but really you know sort of stylish low budget filmmaking Uh, yeah and it's even worse too because not only is the studio system so hard to navigate in general but for somebody like john carpenter who's you know breakout film was made for a quarter of a million dollars and then profited so much Mm -hmm. that not only are you within a studio system that's very difficult to navigate but you're also the subject of like severe exploitation because they're looking at him like oh you made a movie for a quarter million dollars that made 17 at the box office okay we're gonna get you to do all these movies for dirt cheap so that we can make a bunch of money because clearly you can do it and so they're really just trying to milk him for every last dollar that they can get out of it yeah but taking him way outside of his lane I mean Halloween's very specific 
This is an effects-driven yeah. extravaganza in and, 1992. And this the, is the makeup on the face, later. the all of it. You know, so all right. I think right. we're which we're also we, we didn't mention that you get to see Chevy Chase and Brownface in this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well, why don't we talk about this great. beer? Yeah, but has if I beer. had to guess, I think both of y'all didn't like this very much. Like the untitled art. Oh yeah, I mean I thought it was pretty terrible. I'm. I don't think I'll ever... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What the fuck are you on. talking about, It's man? so good. This is really... This Quit, is really maybe delicious. one of the best beers that we've had in 2008. Hey, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if this doesn't make our top, top five, five for the end of the year... That's, that is, you guys are finally getting on board the Joe train, man. That is the bit for 2020. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Could you guys tell I didn't watch this movie? No, I, I, I assumed you had. Okay. Okay. Carlos. You, look, <laughs> you had to pull the curtain you gotta back. You got to bring t- four things mm-hmm. to, each mo- to each episode. Two so movies. You, you've never seen it or you just didn't rewatch never it? Never seen it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're wasting our time. Have no, you I seen it, David? No, you watched yes, it many times I, on HBO. I, and I saw Did it Did you again. watch it specifically I rewatched for this? it today. I rewatched See, it today. See, I, I watched it over the weekend. I, I'm a philosophy major. I'm you haven't seen the movie? No. Look, in my defense... Uh, in why my de- did you admit it on air? Because it was funny. Uh, oh, in, in my defense, I, I just bought like 13,000 records a few days ago. Oh, I know. I can't so wait been, to see I, this. I understand you, I've been pretty busy. You have some... Uh, and I had to... So, so, it's, it's, had... so it's Wednesday right now. Monday, <laughs> I saw one movie for this show. Tuesday, I saw the other one. Uh, and then I watched one of the other okay, ones. How also, do you prepare I, I for to, your bullshit? That's my question. Um, well, I've bullshitted before. I was hold on a second. I, I, was I think plan- this is gonna be interesting. I, I was planning on the saying. The sad that- thing is, I think you talked more than I did about the film. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was laying back. I'm like, no, Carpenter's he was, his guy. I don't want to step on. Now, he was bringing in his John Carpenter expertise. Yes, yes that's exactly what. Yeah, that's he, was, a, so, he was bringing in his uh, Chevy Chase as a twat thing. Yeah, okay, my, go, my my my. How plan, do you prepare for that? My plan of attack was okay. So also there there is a tie-in for this beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I didn't get to see the film, so glad you said. This I brought a beer that I knew that I would like. Okay, so at least in the beer review part, I would have a lot to say. I caught you. <laughs> I caught you having not watched the film before, and when we went off mic, you hadn't talked very much during the thing. Yeah, and I said you didn't watch the movie, and, yeah. and you said no, I didn't. But this time, you came out as if you were a. Like as if you had seen it. No, I okay. So I was I was planning on doing that, right? So I was planning on not saying a lot and letting sure. you guys like do the thing and sure. just taking more of like sure. the producer role or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, the Matt Gorley to your Conan, mm-hmm. if anyone listens to that podcast. Um, but I do. But I, then, I prefer the the Gelman to my Regis Philbin. But okay, you, you go ahead. No, I respect that. Uh, but <laughs> to your Michael but, Strahan. Well, I, I am. Yeah. yeah. The the Kelly to your Strahan. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? Gelman. No, Gelman. Well, Gelman go, go ahead. Go ahead. How? how anyway, why um, did you? Okay. But then the but then the subject got to Carpenter as a whole, uh-huh. and so that's e- that okay. was easy for me to talk about. Here's how I prepare so, when I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, a lot I'd of YouTube reviews. Uh, a lot of them. Really? You guys? So th- this? I didn't even uh, once, maybe twice. Oh wow! No, I watched these goddamn. No, movies. it's it twice, is, three no, times it's, a lady. It's, it's, right. it, it is very rare that I don't see the films, but <laughs> for, for the movie podcast you co-host. Well, no, no, I'm saying, but like that almost never happens. Like, I, know, I right. like I'll put it onto the store. I'll like do whatever sure, I can. Sure, but sure. Having to 
because we're again we're recording on a Wednesday, which is the day the episodes come out. So between having to like jam pack in all this stuff, because Sunday I bought thirteen thousand records, Saturday and Friday I DJed, and don't don't justify it to me. We well, all no, have busy lives. Well, no, no, I'm just saying like I was running out of time, mm-hmm. and because I edit the podcast, yes, you do, and I that's, we love you for that. That yesterday took up time where I probably right. would have fit this and in you were, if I and, hadn't planned. Yesterday, planned yesterday, you were not only editing a podcast, you were, edi- edi- you were editing the Holy Mountain podcast. Yes. And that's a whole, <laughs> that's a larger scope than normal. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I would say so. We, uh, I'm not, I'm not shitting on you out. because I, no, there, I, there I has just, been an episode or two where I've, I've come in and faked it. I just, have I, you never faked it, David? I don't think I have. Really? I, mean, I, I you're you're Harry and I'm Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Like I, I'll have what she's having. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I faked it once or twice. I'll be honest with you. That's normally, fine. I, the, normally, if I didn't I see think it, when I faked it. I, is this going to make it in the episode? I, I feel it does. like this is. I, I feel like this does, is backstage maybe. talk. I hope it normally does. I would come out and say it more towards the front and just be like, this guys, is, I didn't see this movie, a, and then I would let you guys go. But in this case, I was no, like, I, can, I, 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 I came into it. I, where you've I said, came into it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get as far through this as I can. Movie. And you were revealing. all the way. You were all the way. I know. And then you revealed. I know. Huh. It was a good right. bit. <laughs> but Thanks this, for listening and please vote for us for best podcast. <laughs> the movie just podcast a bunch of where bullshit. we don't all watch where the at least one of the guys of watches the movies. Oh, man. <laughs> It's always David too. Yeah. No, it's because I, I, hey, I, I like how me and Carlos go. David, please talk about the movie. <laughs> I am happy to. I Carlos, mean, you and I have to figure out when you and I both haven't seen the film. We won't tell David, and then yeah. he'll come in and talk for an Maybe hour. Maybe that's our April Fool's episode. <gasps> which All right, we need to there talk we about. go. Um, Let's talk about. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to cut that part out. No, don't. Let's talk about. No, I'm going to cut the April Fool's part. Oh, okay, because yeah, we yeah. can't let anyone know. Yeah. Sure. Oh, we'll see. So let's talk about Untitled Art, Peanut Butter Cup Stout. I thought this was really good. I made a joke it, that y'all wouldn't like it because I knew that y'all both Because we oh, both yeah. did yeah. love it. And when I, I went and picked this four-pack up uh, right before I went and saw Invisible Man uh, because it was on – the person I was picking up from was you know on the way to the theater. Yeah. And Did you see Invisible Man? Yeah, I did. <laughs> and uh, no, he went to the thing. And and when I went and picked it up, the optic suit was great, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the paint, right? The thing from the trailer, that dog, uh, right? It was really. Oh wait, no, that was a bit. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Daniel well, hands it. Was a dog actually? There was, yeah. yeah. Daniel hands me the four pack, and he's like, "Be careful." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, "Why? It goes down pretty smooth. It's pretty twelve percent, pretty easy drinking." He's like, "For twelve yeah. percent, yeah." And right before we started recording, he messaged about us chugging. And was like, yeah. "Hey, you guys should chug that. It has some heat on it." Yeah, we did. We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> it chug does. It. it is. You know. Okay. Because we just had a peanut butter stout a few episodes back. Yeah, the Nueces. Uh, the Nueces here from Corpus. last weekend. Last week was that okay? That was the Holy Mountain episode. Um, tasty, right? I mean, it yeah. was a really, it was a really good one. I, um, and Carlos and I thought it was a little thin, right? Yeah. This one has the body for this sure. This one has the this, body. This one is, is thick. It is with, yeah. two, with two C's it's or three, of, maybe it is three. Lighter in the mouth feel than yeah. what you would expect twelve percent to be. Uh, like, fair com- enough. A 12, I mean, a 12, yeah, twelve no, percent imperial could, stout. I expect to be. be Oasis doesn't have the balls to make a twelve. <laughs> oh shit! What? 
No, that's just me trying to get them to oh, do okay. it. Okay, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> it's, all, it's all manipulation. Come on, we yeah. love you, Nuez. It's all manipulation. You did a great job. <laughs> manipulation. <laughs> you know, we're, okay, we're trying the, to get them to react to us on social media. Oh, okay. We, we have had three beers tonight. This is my favorite. Okay. You know I'm an IPA boy. So, like, the idea that a stout's going to piggyback two pretty fantastic IPAs Great IPAs. is going to be a thing. But the peanut butter, the, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the chocolate, there. the cup, all yeah. of it, this is what you want all your beers to be. This beer... Untitled Art, you have, my hats are off. I'm not even mm-hmm. wearing one. I wish this I Visible one. Man, Untitled Art, all of it yeah. right this, here. This beer reminds me of my favorite Reese's variant, which is the Reese's Big Cup. Oh, sure. I think you've brought up the yeah, big yeah, cup. That's your, I think that's your favorite can. It is yeah. well because it's a good. It's a lot. It's a good amount of peanut butter, and mm-hmm. then just the chocolate to kind of smooth it out a little bit. Yeah. And this one is there's a lot of peanut butter, and then you get some of the chocolate. Saloon Dorado Webster, ridiculous AF, tasty this, AF, bigger or better than the ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I I if I had the choice between this and the tasty AF on nitro, I would probably take the tasty. Oh well, no, but you're um, you're adding nitro. Let's talk can to can. Oh, man, it's tough. This is easier to drink than the ridiculous. I need you to correct me. The tasty is the tasty is like peanut s- butter. The, taste, the ridiculous no, like six percent something. No, the ridiculous tasty is, is, is a peanut butter chocolate stout. Yeah, yeah. But the ridiculous, the ridiculous is a peanut butter chocolate imperial. Okay, stout. right, okay, right. Thank and you. Yeah. so the you can get the, that in can. You can't get the tasty. You can't in get can. the tasty in can. And the tasty is almost half the percentage of the ridiculous. Yeah, I think that this is easier to drink than the ridiculous yeah. is. Right, but the ridiculous. More flavorful. It has a little more of that chocolate, I think, than this one. Well, I don't even know I don't why know. I brought it up. This, I mean, it's a good question. Untitled I mean, Art, fantastic beer, fantastic. Yeah. I'm I'm happy. I mean, everything we've had from them has been outstanding. And then I'm going Skellahawk, and then I'm going over to the uh, Disruption it's, from. from it's, it's, it's really tough for me to pick between yeah, those well, two first IPAs. I got more yeah. balls. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right, I don't have the balls to oh, pick between my the first God, two this IPAs. Has been such a fun episode. Y'all. It has so been. it. Tell us what you thought about um, the Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss, uh, and tell us what you think about uh, the different phases of John Carpenter's career. We would like to know. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, and Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. As always, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is our home base. You can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes there absolutely free. And we would just like to remind you if you've made it this far to the end of the episode, remind you for a second time that we are up for best podcast at the ben magazine's locals list uh find that link best of the best uh competition uh all of those links that i just gave you to our social media channels will have a way for you to find that voting to nominate us we're just in the nomination stages right now only the top five nominees move on to voting we would love to be one of those top five nominees also uh, Curveball. I, I haven't talked to any of the other guys about this, but <laughs> we did an episode on Inside Lewin Davis. And you sure did. I have in my possession a original, authentic 27 by 40 double sided movie poster Ooh. for Inside Lewin Davis that you would see outside of a theater. And I'm going to give that away uh, on our social media or to people that listen to this podcast, I guess is a better description. If you leave a review, for our podcast on Apple Podcasts, you are entered to win the Inside Lewin Davis poster. Dude, I'm going to do it. So if you leave us a review, I will randomly pick from all of the people that have left us reviews. This week? 
uh, in two weeks. Ah, oh, nice. And so, yeah, you have about two weeks to leave us a review, and you will win an original theatrical release movie poster for the Coen Brothers Inside Belinda Davis. And I'm going to throw in uh, a local beer. And a local beer. Maybe even a non-local beer. Who knows? There will be extras, but there is a movie poster Fantastic. guaranteed Thank 100%. You, awesome. um, so keep that in mind. Rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, subscribing helps you stay up to date. When you rate and review us, that helps us out a lot. It helps us uh, to know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. And, uh, yeah, this has been uh, Parish and Horace. This has been Imagination, and it has been Untitled Art and Hidden Springs, The Invisible Man, and Memoirs of an Invisible Man. This episode brought to you by Chevy Chase. This, uh, yeah, this episode <laughs> brought to you by a uh, turbulent time in John Carpenter's career. Uh, until next time. The only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you. Thank you.